0: Hello. Yes. I want to welcome everyone to a special episode of More Than Just a Number, A Woman's Journey Through Incarceration. I want to start off by giving every one of our audience members a little quote that a friend sent to me, and it really meant something to me, and I hope it does to all of those of you who are suffering at this time. Life is a circle of happiness, sadness, hard times, and good times. If you're going through hard times, have faith that good times are on the way. I want to welcome you today to Sylvia, and she has become almost like a daughter to me over the past week or so. Sylvia was sentenced to prison, to Indiana Women's Prison, for petty theft. I've come to know Sylvia this week and can't imagine her ever being in prison. In a way, she could be my own daughter or even yours. She says that prison has changed her, and she is also doing so much to help her, those in her community who need help, and I'm so proud of her for doing so. Today, I want to introduce you to Sylvia, as oh. she tells her story. Her, her experience behind bars. And she will also be filling us on what or how her husband was affected while she was incarcerated. Good afternoon, Sylvia. How are you today? Good afternoon. Hi, I'm good. How are you? I am doing fine, hon. It's so good to have you back on the show.
1: Well, it's good to be on the show and help out um, our my fellow inmates um, get justice. Yes.
0: And it's been so nice connecting with you. And I want you know, to know that I do appreciate you.
1: Well, thank you. Um, just I have to make sure that you're okay every now and then and, you know, just give you, you know, a thoughtful quote or, you know, just keep your head up. And you
0: know, it's meant the world to me this past week.
1: I know you've had a hard
0: week, so I have, um, as i explained to our audience you were incarcerated for petty theft it's so hard for me to imagine that indiana would put you in prison for petty theft um but that's indiana for you oh yeah Um, would you mind telling our audience what led you what led up to this event
1: um i was um they call it boosting um i was boosting for my addiction um and I had um, a couple counts of theft, um, a total of four, and I got put on probation, um, and I was still stealing from my addiction. Um, I was on um, what they call synthetic marijuana, um, and it does some really bad things to your brain. Yes, it does. Um, It makes you hallucinate, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And it makes you, um, like I heard Amber say, it makes you like a zombie. Yes. Um, and you know he gave me chance after chance, and um, my last one I went and um, pawned stolen property, um, and a whole forty-five dollars sent me to prison. Oh my God, um, that was the last chance he gave me. Um, and he sentenced me eight years, due for because I got to, you know, um, time one one day for a day for a day right and so you know i just couldn't believe that i got sentenced eight years in prison um, and for petty theft from stores
0: It's, it's very hard for me to believe um i have a daughter that was convicted of theft it was a class d felony and she got two weekends in jail yeah but her the amount that that They say that she stole was Holiday World tickets from Holiday Inn where Uh she was working, and she did not steal them. I went up to purchase two extra tickets because my husband had a company picnic at Holiday World the next day, and we needed two extra tickets, and I knew they had them there. And when I got there, I didn't have any checks in my checkbook to write her a check. So she left a note explaining the missing two tickets and that i would be there in the morning to drop off a check for those two and they called the law on her and they came and arrested her oh wow yeah i mean so there was no theft involved she left a note but they still got her on petty theft
1: yeah um i I was i mean i was stealing merchandise i was doing people's christmas lists um for half price um, just to get, you know, to get my drugs. Um, And um, as of today, I am a recovering addict um, of synthetic marijuana. Um, How long have you been clean? I have been clean off of that for, oh, since 2016 when I got locked up. Oh, so that's quite a while. Congratulations. Yeah. You know, I don't like anybody to be around me that does it or bring it around me um just out of respect mm-hmm. exactly well, that's, can you tell us a little bit about the
0: things you're doing in your community to help those that are in need
1: um my best friend um who i met while i was in prison um i am an i'm her power of attorney um plus i'm her advocate um And I just, I advocate for the other girls that are in there, you know, because right now it's, um, it's pretty bad. Um, You know, they're just yelling at them. um, And when you go to medical, it's drink water, you know, and go back to your, your unit. Um, So like I, um, while I was there, I fell six feet off, you know, off a four foot ladder or four feet off a six foot ladder, sorry and um they took me in a wheelchair gave me tylenol and sent me right back to my unit and told me to drink water
0: and see that is i just don't understand the judicial system that they allow this to happen and that's the reason i'm doing these podcasts i want to get the word out how our prisons are treating our women and our men but especially our women it's so much harder on the women and i've had a lot of
1: incarcerated men tell me that absolutely um and i any- any in a women's prison i'm gonna go ahead and mention there is um a baby unit, and um you sometimes they let the mothers have their babies there um so just you know for babies behind bars, but it just how they treat the pregnant women is extremely like ridiculous and um you know right now they're getting you know sometimes they're getting sack lunches or sack you know they get one hot meal a day um but now indiana women's prison is back up to three hot meals a day so um that's good for them until yeah to, in, until they get back on this COVID deal you know but well, um, I was
0: told by my daughter that um Rockville is actually opening up contact visits on the seventeenth on Easter Sunday. Yes. So I'm hoping that the rest of the prisons are
1: going to be opening up on the same day. And I'm right now I'm waiting, um, for my visitation for my best friend to be approved. Um because of my you know, my background, I had to write the warden and everything else just to get approved on her visiting list. Um yes. but I mean i just I can't wait, but some of the other things I'm doing in the community um i i'm a, I'm disabled, and so I'm at home all the time. Um, we're going to doctor's <sighs> appointments so we I do random acts of kindness um just you know little just because envelopes or um for Easter, I made you know little um little bags. Um, for either the kids or the adults. I mean, adults like to play with little toys too. So, um, yesterday, me and my stepdaughter went um, to the gas station to get gas, and um, it was a you know one of them that were a truck shop, And I'm big on um, thanking our truck drivers um, because if it wasn't for them, we you know we wouldn't have anything on our shelves. We wouldn't even have anything to eat, you know, or or so. Um, I'm trying to teach her random acts of kindness, you know, and just the feedback that we got from them. Um, They were so excited. This morning I gave a 7-Up guy um, one of the little bags, and he's like, wow, I haven't gotten anything for Easter since I was a kid. You know, so it just, it it picks somebody up, because you never know if they're masking a smile or not. And I am
0: exactly right.
1: I, you know, I have mental disabilities also, so that doesn't, you know, it hits home for me.
0: It does for me, too. Um, Like you, I'm too disabled, but I had started a GoFundMe for the children of incarcerated women. And I got it going, and the word got out, and people were ready to go donate, and then I had to pull my GoFundMe down. Um, I contacted the women's prisons about what I was intending to do and they said, Oh, well you can't do it that way. The money that you raise from a GoFundMe has to go into our general fund for Christmas for children of incarcerated women. And I said, But that's not fair to the children and to the mothers. I said, I want to purchase gifts on their birthdays for graduations, for Easter and and that's what I want this money to go for. And right. I said it will all be accounted for through a CPA and they said, Well you can do it, but you have to fill out like a hundred and sixty two page um application in order to do it. So that's why I pulled my GoFundMe down.
1: Wow. And
0: see, um that that's just crazy. It is, and the money that people had donated did not get refunded to them. It did not get sent to me. GoFundMe keeps the money, and they put it in their own general fund. Wow. Yes. So I feel really bad that people donated to to a charity that they felt compassionate about and that the women did not and and
1: their children did not benefit from it. One of my biggest dreams is to – my mom actually brought it up. She wants to start a transition house here in Elkhart, Indiana, um, or Elkhart County. Um, We have no transition homes within an hour from us. Um, So – or even in our county, for either men or women, um, and most of them are for men, you know, and so – she either wanted to start you know a cafe to either help felons get a job after they get out or start a transition home and she you know she found the perfect property, but it's just it's such so hard to start you know and with with when you don't have any money and only get a monthly check so it
0: really
1: is you know we've been we've been looking at at things to you know get help with it or you know it was her dream since she's seen me go through work release in prison so well i certainly hope that our listeners hear this
0: and maybe some generous um what do they call them um not entrepreneur but um, um Oh, the people purpose. who give money to people um charitable yes a philanthropist I hope a philanthropist hears our story, and that that he can help you out or she can help you out, because we do need those um, those types of houses for our women when they get out.
1: You know, I I did um, while I was incarcerated at Indiana Women's Prison. After I was there a year, um, I did sit down and write my judge um, a, a thank you letter, and um, everybody thought I was crazy. Um, but if it wasn't for him giving me the potential or seeing potential in me, um, and sitting me down, you know, um, I probably would have been dead on the side of the road somewhere. Um, because that's when, you know, that was the year everybody was, you know, getting real sick and dying from synthetic marijuana and it really opened my eyes and, you know, that's how I, why I am the way I am today, um. Is from sitting in prison and the stuff that I got while I was in there, you know, the certificates and, you know, it, it made me see the real me.
0: Yes. um, And, you know, m- with my daughter being incarcerated, I can clearly see your point. Um, I believe that prison saved her life and she is a completely different woman today. She has been locked up for five years now and she has done every program that Rockville Correctional Facility has to offer, except for two, and those are construction trades and um, cooking. Um, whatever that
1: cooking program is, they have culinary. Yes, and but she would get yeah. a lot out of culinary. Um, I took culinary while I was in there. Um, that well, was my daughter.
0: My daughter is like a four-star chef.
1: Um, she did,
0: she could teach that class. Oh, yeah. And she built her own home, I mean, from the ground up, so she does not need construction trades. So she, she actually has 17 years remaining on her sentence and no programs to involve herself with. Right. And she was given 200 hours of community service to do while she was in prison and while she's been there she's done over 1500 hours.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Because there is nothing left for her to do.
1: I um I actually when I got my certificates and everything and just um actually last year I brought them out and I was looking at them um and I I cried because I never thought I would ever get my serve safe. Um which currently I am still serve safe certified until September. Um um because you're surf safe certified for five years and I used to work in fast food and community ser- or customer service. So it mm-hmm. helped me when I got out. Um, and then I took a lot of little classes, um, like twelve steps and but the one that hit home the most was Bridges to Life. Um that that hit home and made me really open my eyes and see how judgmental people are. Can you um, tell us a little bit about that program? The program, it makes you dig deep down into your past um, and tell you, like, from your childhood up and makes you think about, like, where my theft started from. Um, and it, it brings up a lot of hurt, but a lot of peace. Um, and, you know, it, I was afraid when I was going, you know, going to prison because I was in there with a bunch of murderers. and. You know, and some of the women, you know, they're in there for murder, but they murder their their abuser, you know. And um, we don't have a self-defense law in Indiana, so um, they got murder, And they're trying to pass the abortion law right now, which if you decide to abort your child, then you will, will you know, you will get charged with murder. And I don't think that is right but that is just my opinion. Um I mean we have a whole world out there, but um I mean it it makes you dig deep and when when you really dig deep and look back into your life and see exactly where it started, it kind of it kind of messes with you and it just but it brings the be- best part of you out, you know, in the end and shows you what you can overcome um
0: i think that's so wonderful that you were involved in that program because i see and feel that you have a heart of gold and i think that that class or that
1: program has done that to you um i've always had a heart of gold like i used to let people walk all over me um you know my my family my sister um and now i know how to set boundaries um and that was the biggest part it showed me is just start. Can i can i can i uh,
0: hold on just for a second please
1: yeah hon. thank you
0: hello can you, can you call me back in about fifteen minutes I'm on the podcast. Okay, thank you. Bye. I apologize, everybody. That was my daughter calling from prison. Aw. Yeah. Um, so she's I'm got a hand for it, me. they never know. Yes. Yeah. But she understood that I was on a podcast, so well, she's gonna call me back. So yeah.
1: when when she calls, to write it high and to keep her head up.
0: Oh, I will. I thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell me a
1: little bit how things with you being incarcerated how they affected your husband? Um well, they affected him. Um we were together before I got locked up. And when I went to prison, um he's never had an adult charge in his life until um about 6 months to a year after I got locked up. Um he got, you know, a drug charge and um with our county, even if you tell them not to put, you know, put you in work release, that you just want to sit it out, they don't listen. They just put you in work release. So, um, you know, he ran a couple times, and he actually just completely got out of trouble um, fighting with the system. Um, he went to jail and sat there for two years. Um, and jail is a little bit ha- harder than prison. Yes, um, it is and with Elkhart County being a DOC holding center that doesn't help um but he it, it made him who he is today um he had never had a job in his life um and he you know we got back together when he got out this time I got out a year before he did um and he held his job for two years you know it made him more humble it made him you know look at things different and you know, now he has, you know, he has contact with his, you know, his daughters and, and it just, it's changed his life where he, you know, he wants to be a reasonable adult and, you know, unfortunately right now he's, they're working him to death, but um, it's just, you know, he sees what a job can do instead of dealing drugs. Yes. So and that he's held his job the whole entire two almost two years we've been together, um, back together anyways. Um, because I lost, lost total contact with him when I was in prison, my mom was helping us and then we, he disappeared one day and then we found out he got in trouble. Um, but you know, he had never had an adult charge in his life. So it, it really impacted. And now he has felonies. So, it impacted us both, and it made us a little bit closer. We took our journeys like we always say we took our you know our journey together, but apart, right, you know, and it made us who we are today and more thankful for things today. Do you think that you being incarcerated is what set him up
0: for failure?
1: um yeah, I was keeping' um, keeping him held down and um away you know he just got in with the wrong crowd um that set him up so it just it really it really hurt him and so it just he doesn't he doesn't run around with that crowd anymore he today he finally sees what they're all about and I'm so grateful for that you know and thank you you know, and well, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to see that you're both doing great. I think that you told me that you you um had a fire recently. Um yeah, it was actually um a year ago last Saturday. Um that we we were living with his parents and if it wasn't for our neighbors, um we would have got stuck down in the basement. Um the dryer lint outside, the outside dryer lint caught on fire um and came through the back door um and we were sleeping and it was just his mom uh his mom and his sister at home and if it wasn't for our neighbors and some mysterious guy which i think is a complete angel stomping on our floor um we probably would have been stuck down there and who knows what would happen um oh, I
0: believe that he was an angel sent from god there
1: there was a propane grill on the back porch and our neighbor took, you know, took action and just kept the hose on it until the fire trucks got there. Um, because both houses probably would have been blown up. Um, and so, it just, I've never been in a house fire ever. But as we were running up the stairs, the fire was coming under the back door, um, mm-hmm. and so it, it gave me really, really bad PTSD. Um, and i would never wish that on my worst enemy um his parents just got back in the house and they had um what was they had insurance on the house but they did not have renters insurance and his mom told it told them that we were renting from them um so it excluded us out on getting any kind of help um so we lost everything to smoke damage and water damage and um I mean, so it pretty hit hit home. We lived in a garage um, for half of the year, and then um, we went and tried. You know, when I got some of my back pay from disability, we tried to go rent, and um, nobody would rent to us because of my theft felony, Um, not his drug charge, but my theft charge um, stopped us from renting one of the places that we tried, Um, and I think that's pretty sad. Um, when Elkhart County is, you know, most likely, I would say eighty-five percent felons, um, and you know, they just—it's kind of—it's—it's it's a little bit of discrimination. Um, but it—it it was my choice, you know, for for getting a felony, you know. So I understand that. But- and you know, that's the reason I do these podcasts because
0: I want people to know what felon ex-felons, whatever you want to call yourselves, um, have to go through once they're released from prison. I think that it's so unfair. People make mistakes. And I think that people need to take that more into consideration, and that's where our prison reform is going to have to come into it. And people like me who are trying to get the story out, about what's happening to you guys. And that's why I'm so appreciative that you were willing to come on the show and tell us your
1: story. Anything to help. Um, like, I, it made me who I am today, and I'm thankful for that. But, um, I mean, right now, since nobody wanted to rent to us, I took my money, and we went and bought a camper. Um, and right now we're living in my grandma's yard, um, camping out you know, but we had to do it through the winter with, you know, with an 11 year old and, mm. you know, it just, and, and she's thankful for it also, you know, and she's, she's taken it humbly, which I'm really surprised um that, you know, an 11 year old would take it that humble, you know, and she's thankful for what she has and, you know, we made it our little humble abode yeah
0: i mean there's nothing wrong with living in a camper and my husband and i are wanting to get one ourselves and get rid of our home and just travel because we're at that age but with my daughter being incarcerated there is no way that i would ever leave the state of indiana without her absolutely and you know not to mention my granddaughter Who is living with her father since my daughter was incarcerated, and I can't see myself moving anywhere. You know, do I want to travel? Yes, I do because we are in our retirement years, just barely, but we are. And I think that there is no shame in you guys living in a camper, and that your your daughter is very mature for her age. Um. Just Some like days. my granddaughter had to be. <laughs> Some days, but. Well, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're still kids. But, they are. But, but, you know, somebody that's a preteen or a young teenager, like my granddaughter and your all's daughter, they are um, so pressured by their peers, you know, and, and they're they're made fun of for where they live and how they live, what they wear. You know what type of brand clothing they wear, and my granddaughter has never cared one way or another. What she wore, um she's always had brand clothes, brand name clothes, um expensive shoes, and she would give them to friends
1: who didn't have any. And she and she loves yeah. she loves to you know give things away. And if you know, like today we went to a bin sale and she found a cup that said. Um, the world's greatest mom, um, and she calls me mom. I'm actually I'm her her mom. So, you know, it just it, it makes it, those little things that they that they do just yes. make you want to cry. Because I don't have any children of my own, and I I'm not able to have children of my own. So, they are my 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 heart and soul. I can imagine.
0: Because I feel like now that, that you're one of mine, <laughs> um, we've become, I think, quite close in the past couple of weeks, and I think of you as my third daughter. Well, thank and, you. And I hope for the best of things for you and for Chris and your your son, I believe?
1: Um, no, my other daughter. Um, oh, your daughter. Closer.
0: Yeah. Okay. And I I so hope that someone will help you guys out. You yeah. know, and if I can help in any way, shape, or form, all you have to do is pick up the call, uh, phone and call me. I know. Because, you know, um, there's not too many people that I trust because of what my daughter went through. Oh, absolutely. And I was hoodwinked by another interviewee that I done but she had us all fooled and I'm going to be breaking her story apart in my next podcast and it'll just be me speaking but I want the world to know that there are people like her that will do anything, say anything to get what they want Oh absolutely I um, you know, and
1: and I feel you're not one of those people that that it saddens me these days that people do that, and especially while you're in prison um my you know my best friend is dealing with you know some people like that right now, and you know trying to take advantage of her and she's big and bold, and she finally you know she finally can point them out and so she doesn't she doesn't help a whole lot of people in there unless they're uh, you know, new or, you know, they are willing to work for what they get. And that's yeah. what I used to do while I was in there, you because know, I didn't get a whole lot and I you know, I was on the medical dorm so I would get um I would wash wheel you know, wheels on walkers and <laughs> just stuff like that. But, you know, it, it made me it made me appreciate life. You know, because I I went through some grief while I was in prison.
0: Well, I think that our interview has went swimmingly, and I have one final question or questions for you. Um, Is there any wisdom that you can give to women who are incarcerated and how to make it through like you did? And is there anything
1: that you can think of that could help bring about prison reform? Um, the one thing that I can tell women in there today is I mean take advantage of what they give you um that's what I tell a lot of people um why not take advantage of it you I got a survey say for free when it's a hundred and something dollars, you know, and I got to use that out here um but just take what they can give you um and to health reform, um, I'm just, I'm grateful that you, you know, you do this for us, um, for individuals like me um, and my husband, Chris. Um, it just, it's one of those things that we, we do appreciate it because there's not very many people who, we're just criminals in their eyes. And see, I don't see you as criminals, I see you as victims you know we're just trying to start over yeah and
0: you know my daughter's a victim of the system um, and i don't care what anybody says about my daughter she is not a criminal she right. may be in prison but she is a victim of the system
1: she and victim, and she's a recovering addict and yes, she's yes. one of those recovering addicts that you know have big big potential and they but they just sometimes they want to feel numb and that's how you know how it goes and that's what drags you down the rabbit hole
0: well my daughter was a nurse when she went in when she got locked up and since she's a felon now she's lost all access to her medical license so she could never work in the medical field again unless her charges get dropped and they have to um, give her back her license. And that's what I'm praying for, because she was so good at her job. But she took advantage of what was offered her inside, and she is ready to take the bar exam. That's awesome. she wants Yes, she wants to help other women like her that was wrongfully convicted and it is doing an unjust um time. Oh, absolutely. Like she, you know, she was given twenty-four, twenty-one 21 years for a half a gram of dope. And in Arizona, and I know places like Washington, not
1: Arizona, but Washington and Oregon, you don't even go to jail if you're caught with drugs. Yeah, um Jessica is in there for three counts of neglect and um, at first it was supposed to be murder and it was her ex-husband that murdered her child. She was at work. Um, and I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to get her home because she shouldn't be in there for, she got sentenced to 35 years. Oh, mercy. Yeah. And it was, it's ridiculous, you know, and just because of some text messages and this and that, um, she had no idea what was going on. She was at work. Yeah. And, and you so, know,
0: the that's similar to what happened to my daughter. It was text messages that got her put in prison that were on her cell phone. But she did not make those text messages. It was someone else.
1: Oh, yeah. And that's that how do you prove?
0: Yeah, how do you prove who was on the end of that line, making those text messages?
1: you, know, um, you can't. I
0: don't know. Yeah, there and has to be some way, though. Yeah, that's what convicted my daughter or text messages, they pull off her phone. Some phones have facial recognition. Yes. But most people don't know how to use it, especially people on drugs. Oh, yeah. Um, um, they just text away, not thinking, you know, of the consequences, and and it comes back to bite them. Right. But my daughter, she had actually um, let a drug dealer use her phone and they used the text messages that he made on her cell phone against her. And we and we have proven now that it was him who made the the drug deal that day, and not her. And that's what we're basing our appeal on. Well, that's good. You know. So we're hoping that she's going to be released soon, but. You never know. It's Indiana.
1: Yeah, you you just never know, um, especially with you know the grief process. Because with with somebody with you know mental health issues like you know like we we have, um, you know she's gonna she's gonna come home and she you know because they don't give you any grief counseling in there. They don't they don't do anything for you. No, um, they don't. And coming out with all that on your on your head and on your mind. You have to make sure you have an appointment before you get out um, yes I ended up getting you know inpatient just a couple months after I got out of out of prison um out of complete trouble i w- i ended up inpatient you know so um that's one that's one thing I can um help individuals um with a little bit you know it just that's a little bit of you know. Just stuff I can help with is, you know, one thing you need to do before you get out. If you know you're getting out, you need to have that appointment made. Well, I so appreciate
0: you for telling, telling that to our audience and to the girls that may hear this. And my daughter, when she calls me, I try to play her snippets of every of every interview, and then she passes along the advice that that you guys give me to other inmates awesome so we're both doing our part you know me from the outside her from the inside and i know that we have helped 11 women to this point and i've only been doing my podcast for about two months
1: that's awesome that's so good
0: you know, I get really depressed at times, and I want to give up, but then the Lord comes at me with everything he's got, and he said, you're not giving up. You get back on that phone. You get back on that computer. You find those women and make them tell their stories. He said, um, you know, in the Bible, it states that we are to, um, oh, I can't remember the verse exactly, but we are to watch over those in prison and to help free them. Yes, and... I take that verse to heart. because and- uh, You know, the Apostle Paul was imprisoned, and Jesus Christ made the walls fall down, and Paul escaped what we would consider escape today. Yes. But, um, and I feel that every woman inside those prison walls deserves some kind of dignity. And that dignity has been taken away
1: from them. Oh, absolutely.
0: Um, and I'm here to try to give that dignity back
1: to you guys. All the time. They talk down to us. They, you know, and, and they, when you have somebody talk down to you every day, all day. Um, it
0: you get to believe, to believe in it. it. Yeah.
1: I mean, you do get to believing it. I know my daughter does you know i got strip searched in and out because i was on outside maintenance so um i got to go outside the gate um so i got strip searched in and out every day and when you have to you know bend down and spread your butt cheeks i mean in front of these people it it really takes away everything i can imagine
0: dignity i, mean, I, but I feel so bad for for you have to go through that but I can understand you know the judicial side of it because there are women inside
1: who will do anything to get that next fix oh absolutely um they are not allowed to get um mail anymore um it has to go to a different facility and then to them um on their tablets because people were lacing the paper um and it was ridiculous we couldn't you know they stopped us from having razors in there, um, yes. so because people were swallowing the razor blades just to get out to go to the hospital, and so, and I'm one of them that actually I grow facial hair, um, due to uh, my PCOS, so I had to fight to even go down to the infirmary to to be able to shave. Yeah, and see that I think that
0: that is so wrong. And I have been working on a new classification system for the prison system, and I've showed it to several people, and they all say, "My God, you've done it! This would work perfectly." And I just have to be able to get that classification system to the right people for them to consider changing how
1: inmates are classified. And I think that's—I think that's a really awesome thing for you to do you know take time out of your day and make it your actually your whole day um and to speak for us um out here and the ones that are still in there um they know that they have voices out here and that's that's an awesome thing for you to do um i found you on facebook um in one of the one of the groups i was in um and it was just It was wonderful and it makes me feel so humble for you to call me your third daughter. Um, But I I do appreciate you so much for what you do um, and how much hard work that you put into it. And I do, I spend about 18 hours a day on
0: my advocacy. You know, whether it's making phone calls, sending emails, sending letters, um, making phone calls, you name it, I try to do it. And it's starting to take its toll on me, but I'm a strong woman and I can take whatever is thrown at me. God has given me the ability to withstand just about anything. And I'm not going to give up until I see prison reform for you women because you are mothers you are special in god's eyes and you. you know and that's my mission in life now
1: that and to get my daughter home and and that's that's awesome and i know you know especially when she gets out um, and she comes home since she has been on the inside um just like me that's why i do what i do. Um, And that's why I have my voice. You know, if she calls me and says, call up here because they're treating us like this, I call up there, you know, because I know how it feels. And they're still human, and they may have made mistakes, and there may be murderers in there, but they're still human. Exactly. We have to be the voice for
0: the voiceless because they have no voice. And they still have rights. Yes, they do. And... That's what the ACLU is for, and so many people don't take advantage of the ACLU, and they are a really good organization. They do fight for the the unjustly accused and unjustly convicted, and what? you know this. That's the first time I've actually mentioned them on a podcast. But I think that they the ones who are going to be able to make the change in the system yeah you know so (laughs) you know after my daughter gets out i will probably be in contact with the aclu and see what i can't do to speed this along a little bit and the aclu Um,
1: does a lot and um it's gotten some people out of write-ups and stuff so yes and it's gotten some people off of death row who did not deserve
0: to be there. Um, you know, there's there's so many things that the ACLU has done for the prison system um, for reform. And I hope that they continue their journey and they make a, a major, major change. And I'm sure that they will. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you. Sylvia for being on today and if you ever need me you've got my phone number you've got my email you've got everything so all you have to do is just pick up that phone and call me and I'll do whatever I can to help you oh well I'll still be checking up on you well hon, I appreciate it thank you so very much for being on my show today
1: and you're very welcome Stephanie and you have a wonderful Easter you too sweetheart Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of More Than Just a Number, A Woman's Journey Through Incarceration. Please remember to click on the follow button to hear more stories like Sylvia's and like my daughter's. And remember that saying that I said at the beginning of my podcast today, life is a circle of happiness, sadness, hard times, and good times. If you're going through hard times, Have faith that good times are on the way because they are. Thank you for tuning in, and may God bless you all.